Welcome back, everybody, to In the Trenches podcast by SoCal Student Ministries. Today, I am with Elliot Bland, Boing. Gary Garcia, Yeet. and a very special guest, Matt Dudley. How's it going, everybody? Matt, how are you doing today? Uh, good. I, I'm apparently very special. You are. You so. are very special to all of us. Um, how was the drive out? The drive out wasn't bad. Uh, you know, drove in from the desert, and uh, now I'm in the big city of Norco. Those were air quotes I just did for all those who are listening right now. The big city of Norco. Well, Matt, um, since you are our special guest today, why don't you um, share a little bit about yourself so everyone can get to know you? Sure. Uh, so I lead pastor of a church out in Desert Hot Springs called Christian Center. Uh, but alongside Gary Garcia and Tony Orlando, I get to uh, serve as one of the youth directors for the SoCal Network. Um, I've been in youth ministry for, well, I'm in year 17 right now, so um, it's been great. Done volunteer youth ministry, done the, uh, the, the full-time thing, and now lead pastor of a church that hasn't had a youth ministry in years, and so we're getting ready to launch one, and so pretty stoked to get some teenagers back into our church. That's awesome. I think this is going to be the staple question for everyone that shows up as a special guest, but do you have like just an awkward or a funny moment in youth ministry you can share with everybody? So, so my, my claim to fame is I'm the boring youth pastor. (laughs) And so I don't have a lot of crazy stories because, um, somehow I've managed to not allow a ton of crazy to happen. I do have a crazy story though, from like right before I was a youth pastor. Okay. I was, I was doing stuff in the church. I think I was like 17 or 18 years old and our lead pastor, uh, he liked to do illustrated sermons. They always called them back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big like drama kind of thing. And so one night we were doing this thing that was like the great white throne judgment. And I was going to be the guy that dies and, you know, the devil and Jesus are, you know, hearing my case before the, the you know the throne of god kind of deal um so we faked my death for nice. it which i don't recommend like the the pastor like i parked at a friend's house nearby he drove me to church like hours before the service started i waited in the back and then um you know as the pastor was starting like a normal sermon he goes oh yeah um you know an usher comes up and hands him a note and he was like, oh, my goodness, on his way to church tonight, you know, Matt Dudley was in a, in a car accident. Oh and he was DOA. <laughs> and, um, I mean, there was this audible gasp from the room. Oh and, like, about 30 seconds later, I'm on stage, right? But in the meantime, there's, like, little old church ladies that are on their knees praying in tongues and stuff oh, because wow. I, I have died. Um, the one thing that worked to my advantage was, at the time, the girl I was really kind of into, mm-hmm. um, she freaked out about it, nice. and she wouldn't leave my side that evening. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, so that, that worked out. I that. I like attention, so that <laughs> yeah. sounds like a dream. Yeah, yeah, don't fake your death for a church service. It's uh, not worth it. I think I'm going to. So. Yeah. I didn't know where that was going. When you said faked your death, I thought it was like like a skit. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we're going to Well, it, it. It, it was, and then the pastor just, like, sold it, right? He gave this Oscar-winning performance. Yeah. He gets up there, and he's like choking up and he's like oh, and this is why we have to know what jesus has done and whether or not we're saved did and you did you go to heaven in the skit or i did i did i got i got to go to heaven so nice. um thankfully when jesus yeah. wins that wrestling well match. well well that that of course ended with carmen's courtroom oh, right like that's the way that Carmen, thing ended bro. dude we got to bring that dude no we don't uh <laughs> he, came to, he came to our church like like three or four years ago and uh yeah not the same as it used to be, but he's got some bangers. Yeah, I, I remember going to a Carmen concert when I was in junior high, and it was like the light show was cool, but I was still just like, 
but what is this? Most of our listeners have no idea who Carmen is. Yes. Including me sitting Look at, in this dude, room Dude, Carmen right now. slaps, bro. He's still on Spotify. That's right. Those spoken words still give you goosebumps. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. The yeah. champion, it's all about that. I'm champion. I've only been safe since 2012, so or, I have no Sunday's idea. Sunday's on the way. Oh, Sunday's, Sunday's on the way, bro. Sunday's on the way. Um, righteous invasion of truth. Come on. Dude. Riot. That's even relevant Let's, today. Okay, this podcast all is country. all about ranking <laughs> our favorite Carmen songs. Which is Invitation? Come oh, on. Come Ooh, on. Yeah. that's spooky, bro. Yeah, that one is spooky. Don't want no monsters in my house? <laughs> come on. Yeah, I'm completely You're lost. not a real church person, Charlie. We know yeah. that you didn't grow up in the church anyways. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I didn't grow up on VeggieTales or anything like that. So yeah. that's yeah. your problem. How, how are you even saved, bro? I don't. I still don't know if I am or not. Um, yeah. yeah, so we'll find that out later on, especially in tonight's or today's um, talk. <laughs> this because, morning. Yeah, this morning. <laughs> this afternoon. <laughs> this afternoon, this morning, good night. Whatever time you are listening to this, it just matters because you're listening. Mm-hmm. But today we're going to be talking about really kind of how to youth pastor in this year 2020 because this year 2020 has been a year like no other from racial injustice from Kobe Bryant's tragic death um, to killer hornets to the election to anything and everything in between people saying that you need to be on a certain side you can't be not on a side and it, it's been a crazy year and i just want to open the floor a global pandemic yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> completely forgot about that yeah, part yeah. that's just been a part of our lives now it feels like forever can, can we just say that 2020 has been so crazy that giant killer hornets are the smallest headline <laughs> that happened this year yeah. like that's yeah yeah no it, it's crazy and youth convention happened in 2020 do you guys the, remember that that feels like five years ago i fun fact i swear my wife had covid from youth convention oh cool yeah nice. thanks no just, just no. want to throw that out just, there just just for the record there was no covid at our youth convention or any of our socal youth it was ministry in february yeah covid didn't even exist until march so yeah. i don't know what you're talking about that's the craziest part is like those events that have happened in 2020 that feel like it weren't in 2020 for real yeah youth convention was in february yeah. yeah, which was seven years ago. We were so young then. I know. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a crazy year. And so today we just want to kind of sit down and um, just have a conversation on how as youth pastors do we react in this year? How as youth pastors should we lead our youth ministries through these uh, these times? And so there's going to be a few different topics that we talk about. And this might go long. This might go into a part two. We don't really know yet. We are just going to, as the Christians would say, let the Holy Spirit lead these conversations. Mm. Come on, somebody and uh, just go over these topics. So the very first one that we're, we're just going to get into is is this, is as youth pastors, how do we navigate the topic of racial injustice in youth ministry? And I just want to clarify something that I think this is, is prevalent in every single one of our youth ministries. I mean, for me, just to open this up, I've had a uh, two people in our youth team band that are youth members that come to our church as students now don't talk to each other, even though they serve in the same youth mm-hmm. ministry worship team because of this topic. And yeah. it, it's so real and so in every one of our lives and especially as youth pastors. So I just want to open the floor. How do we navigate these kind of conversations? So carefully, mm-hmm. so yeah. carefully. I mean, it's one of those things that is, um, whatever wherever you land on it it's so emotional it's so um passionate and um you've you've really got to make sure it it is happening in conversations and i just tell everybody in in youth ministry like really guard from from 
having these conversations over social media, yeah. over text, um, face to face. Like, I, you know, one of the things that I've tried to do through this whole thing is, is really have some conversations with people face to face. And, um, you know, Elliot and I have done a couple things with some of our, uh, our, our black youth pastors and, and talked with them and did a, an interview with uh, Wendell, who's a great friend of all of ours. And, and he had some really good insight, but you know, I, I don't have all the answers. I haven't lived the life that everybody has. I do know what the Bible says and mm, I will yeah. always go back to scripture and I will always go back to the belief that the only thing that can change someone's life is not policy, is not yeah. rules, Come is on. not all, all legislation. I do believe the only thing that can change someone's heart from being a racist to not being racist is Jesus. That's yeah. the only thing that I know of in my 49 years of living that can transform someone. None of that other stuff actually transforms anybody. It doesn't change them. And so if we want to see transformation happen, if we want to see someone, if we want to see racism stop, it again, it doesn't happen with all of these things that yeah. may curve the problem but it only curves it. it's a band-aid trans transformation only takes place through jesus yeah, yeah. i think a, a huge thing too uh i was having a conversation with um bankhead a, a guy a lot of people know and he brought up a word that i think is like a perfect word that people need to have in these conversation and it's empathy right mm -hmm. i think that's what's missing in a lot of these especially social media debates um is it's just so uh, you know black and white right and wrong yeah i think this way you think that way uh and there's a lot of empathy missing in these conversations regardless of what you think of you know the video that got posted and the details of the video we're allowed to have that conversation and uh talk about it mm -hmm. but what needs to be there in these conversations is some empathy and uh an understanding that whatever whether you're you're black or white or whatever your perspective is different and other people have different perspectives and that's good And listening to other people's perspectives with empathy and mm -hmm. understanding that like I've not experienced their experience um, is 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 good and that's what the church is about that's why we need the church because yeah. we're a group of people who have no business being in relationship with each other but we come together under the banner of Jesus and it unites us and I'm able to be a white boy who was born in Indiana and have a perspective of the world that I never would have had had I just stayed in my bubble yeah. and thought what I thought, but I'm exposed to people and experiences that I never had because of Jesus, because that's enough to unite us all. And just like Gary said, it's what, it's the answer that we're looking for, right? And, and having conversations is good, yes. Uh, making sure that there's like representation, all these things are, are important, yes, but ultimately Jesus is the answer. And I yeah. feel like 2020 has been crazy but it's helped me and I feel like a lot of people shape our theology on a lot of these issues that we didn't really have a foundation. Like I had thoughts about things, you know, but I don't think I really had a strong foundation of what I believed and what what my stance was on, you know, not not just this. Obviously, my stance on racial injustice is is clear, but I'm saying um, as far as like things like do I repost just because everybody else is reposting mm -hmm. or because someone's saying I'm supposed to, or, you know, like things I didn't know what I thought about or how, you know, like I agree with Gary. I think that the best way to have these conversations uh, is face to face in person, you know, being able to talk and see and listen and hear, because that's when you could disagree with somebody about mm -hmm. a policy and still love them. Cause you're hearing their tone. You're, you're, you know, um, and so I think there's a lot of nuance to this that we're missing. 
I'm using big words because Matt's here and I want to impress him. <laughs> I don't know what nuance means, but uh, I do think empathy is huge. And yeah. and remembering that the church is the uh, you know vehicle through which Jesus is using to change the world for whatever reason. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense, but it's what he set up, you know, yeah. to use us as this this you know bride, the 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 representation of of who he is to the world and and even being together right we'll probably talk about that a little bit later but getting to gather and be together it's beautiful because it's this eclectic again a word i don't know what means but <laughs> matt's here a group of people gathering together under the banner of jesus and and it's beautiful yeah yeah it i i totally echo what these guys are saying i think there's there's wisdom in being slow to speak quick to listen right and slow to anger i mean that's that's only scripture and i i think that's one of the the key elements as we lead that we've sometimes got to be slow to speak and quick to listen and slow to anger because it's been so easy in a year marked by controversy and division to feel the need to stand up and draw a line in the sand to stop and say no 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 hold on I'm going to stop and listen. And that's where, that's where empathy begins, mm-hmm. right? I'm going to, I'm going to stop. I'm going to listen. And when I hear something I don't like, I'm going to be slow to anger because I need to take time to understand before I respond emotionally. Right. And then only after I've done the work of listening and only after I've done the work of, of working through my emotional response, am I going to speak? Uh, additionally, I would say this, don't be scared to speak, Right. Mm-hmm. Just take the time to speak. Uh, if there's an area in the world that the church should lead out above anyone else, it's in the idea that all people, all people were made in the image of God yeah. and can come together under the banner of Jesus. Historically, that's what's most marked the church. I, I, you look at the first century church and miraculous things were happening. You have slaves that are leading churches in the wealthy slave owner who owned them, they're leading the local church in that person's home. This was common, that all of a sudden, the one place where the wealthy and the poor, the the the, the people of this race and the people of that race, the people of a slave class, the people of a free class, no matter what your citizen, woman, male, didn't matter, would all come together under the banner of Jesus. It was one of the defining factors that helped people to understand why Christians were so different. That's what Jesus says. The world will know your mind by the way you love one another. Mm-hmm. And so you have these situations that happen. I mean, we see it in Scripture in uh, Philemon with Onesimus. Onesimus is a is a is an early church leader that Paul commends to his slave owner to say, "Hey, let him come back, yeah. and he's going to go back and lead the local church that his slave owner is a part of and hosts in his home." Jesus is the 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 most equitable imaginable, right? Jesus is the one that levels the playing field for all of us. So, sorry, I started to preach. No, no, that, that was, <laughs> no, that was, that was good. And I think one thing that, and I've Elliot hit this is this whole season of with racial injustice is it is, it's opened my eyes too to certain things. And even just, especially, um, I'll give you guys context of where we're at, where I'm at is I'm at a church in Norco, California, where I call it mini Texas mm. and Yeet? yeah, where I call it mini Texas. And there was a, a black lives matter protest where the city of Norco, the people of Norco went and met them face to face and was, it was brutal. 
And it was in that moment where I realized, okay, this is in our backyard. Like, yeah, we can see this on the news, but right then and there, it was like, no, these are things that our students are dealing with, that their family members are dealing with. And it wasn't until then that I actually spoke up and talked about that in our youth service. And so that, that let me ask you guys that question. When, when do you think it is okay to bring these, or not okay, but when is the right time to bring something like this up in our youth services? Because again, this is stuff that our students see now because of the power of social media. Well, I, I kind of like agree with Matt, and I think we'd probably all be in agreement with this. Uh, if we're going to like preach the gospel, this is something that should be talked about no matter mm. what's going on culturally. And yeah. that's why I think like we got to be careful to let culture dictate what we're going to talk about. But we also can't be blind to it. Right. But I'm saying like if we're talking about equity and, you know, treating all people equal and being made in the image of Christ, we should be talking about that constantly. Like yeah. that should be on our, our docket throughout the years as we go through talking about uh, the, just the gospel, the good news of Jesus. That should be a part of the message yeah. constantly. Um, and it should be a part of what we represent in our groups of what people are seeing as the church comes together. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like, like that is the beauty of the church. That that's what I say. Like my eyes were open because of the relationships I built. Right. Yeah. Not just because of this time, but even before that, I started to know people and call people brothers and sisters who had a different experience of America than I did. And I listened to them and I had empathy for it. But that's a big thing in 2020 that I'm seeing is I'm not letting culture take the driver's seat. I'm not letting someone's post tell me what mm -hmm. I'm going to talk about and, and what I'm about or who I, you know, because I didn't repost a certain thing. I'm not for people. That's not true. And that is uh, that's that's crazy to yeah. think that and to put people into these bubbles. We uh, are more complex than that. And so I do think we should be talking about it and addressing it from the stage. I do think the best way to have these like com like the best way to see real change is through these individual conversations you know where you can talk and listen and eat together laugh together cry together all that type of stuff so, but i'm not saying don't talk about it from the stage yeah but we should constantly be doing that like this should this shouldn't be something we're just adding to the the you know our sermon series now it should be something that we're just constantly talking about as we share the gospel and the, the good news of Jesus that he's for all people and that the idea of thinking that you're better than somebody because of the way that you look uh, is sin. It's, it's mm -hmm. not the heart of God. Um, and so, yeah, be careful with letting the news and culture and society dictate your sermon series because uh, that's a dangerous sort of way to go about it. But also don't be don't be afraid to talk about it because you should be already talking about this. Yeah, the challenge of our age is that we're dealing with intensely complex issues in an age that only wants sound bites, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're in an age of complexity that wants simplicity as opposed to saying, okay, this is complicated and uh, it's going to take some time to, to unravel it and to work through it and to walk through it. We want rapid responses and we want rapid answers and we want to silo everything off into one side or another and that's just not the way it works sometimes sometimes the issue is more complex sometimes the the experience of an individual don't necessarily match the experience of a movement or sometimes the experience of a movement uh is the experience of the individual and, and that's the thing that's challenging is to stop and say 
we've got to be paying attention to what's happening in the lives of our groups. One of the things that I think is important, uh, especially as youth pastors, it's really tempting in an age when we all have a digital platform to feel like we have a national platform, Mm. and we don't. You have a local platform. Your local communication is your local responsibility. Like you are responsible to pastor those students that you have. And so you have to be willing to communicate truth on a local level as opposed to feeling like you have to speak to the national level, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're not necessarily the, you don't necessarily want to become the guy that goes viral for what you said, <laughs> right? Like you, you want to be the guy that, that pastors and shepherds slowly and wisely the sheep that God has given you, protecting them from the wolves of culture. Yeah. And I think I've, we, we can see that in youth pastors' lives and even just in certain leaders' lives where they feel like they have to do that. Yeah. Like exactly like Matt said, it's like I have the social media platform where I have a few hundred followers. Like I need to reach the masses for these type of things. And like Matt said, it's like, no, we're not called to reach the masses right now. We're called to reach the local community that we are a part of and that we are leading through these certain um, times with. And I think that is just so spot on. And along with all of this that's happened, Elliot, you said this, and I just want to jump on this, is in 2020, never, at least in my 26 years of life being this old person, um, (laughs) I've never seen a year more um, divided, a a year where we have to pick a side. And if you don't pick a side, then you're part of the problem. Um, Where where do you guys see us as youth pastors and as youth pastors? ministries um, in this area because again it it goes back to our students and they all have a certain side that they say they're a part of like where as Christians I shouldn't even say just youth pastors as Christians where should we sit on this always on the side of Jesus Hmm. Um, and I know that sounds like a Sunday school answer but (laughs) but it's true it's so to be like hyper spiritual for a moment the one thing that I feel like God has been saying to me all year long is don't get distracted. And I feel like the reason he's been saying it to me is because it's so easy for me to be distracted. Yeah. Uh, because there's so much going on in the world and there's so many voices and so many things that you feel the impulse to respond to. And really the important thing, the thing that we're called to do is in an age of, of complexity, help people to live out the gospel of Jesus. That's the that's the job of pastoring. That's the job of youth ministry. Mm-hmm. We are leading people to show them how to apply the life of Jesus as though it were a template over their own lives and find points of alignment and, and points of, of disalignment and to realign with the life of Jesus. So I think, yeah, it, it's it's easy to feel like you've got to wade into the waters and join a side. If we always maintain that we're just on the side of Jesus, then then I think we're in the right spot. But you better make sure when you say that, that you're actually on the side of Jesus. Like people want to co-opt Jesus. It happened to Jesus all the time. Like you've got Pharisees, you've got Sadducees. They're essentially the right and the left of the day of Jesus. And each of them come to Jesus saying, you know, which is this, which is this. And Jesus basically looks at them and, and every single time says, you're wrong, you're wrong, it's this. You're yeah. wrong, you're wrong, it's this. Yeah. Because what culture wants to do is divide. I mean, that's that's the entire ministry of Jesus. It's a ministry of reconciliation. Sin separates and destroys and divides. Jesus is trying to bring the world back together. When, when, the, when the Hebrew mind thinks of the destruction of sin, it speaks of chaos. 
It's the world thrown into disarray and chaos. And then that the, the reconciliation that Jesus brings, what he's doing is he's bringing order to the chaos. And as he brings order to the chaos, he's inviting us to help him reorder the world. And so it's about putting broken pieces back together. And in each of our local contexts, that looks unique. So yeah, don't feel the need to, to align yourself. Instead, stick close to Jesus. I think we've seen, unfortunately, so many, um, let's just say pastors that are big on social media, um, which really, ones really pick a side, <laughs> <laughs> let's drop some names, really pick a side. And, and, and to the point where I think a lot of young, um, youth pastors felt this pressure that they had to do the same. And, and, and I think it just instantly sends out the wrong message. And, and, and again, it's, it's guarding your influence. I, I tell people all the time, guard your influence. And whereas we have to understand there's people, and I don't think anyone in our church, um, I don't really blind, buy in this whole in, inherent um, racism type of thing, but I do there, believe there's people that don't understand. Sure. I believe there's people that were brought up in a different generation that need some clarity. So I want to be able to reach them just as much as I'm reaching the hurting person who's just broken over all of this. Yeah. There's, there's this wide variety of people we're trying to reach and minister to, and that's why the message of Jesus is really the only one that's going to work. Yeah. Well, I think, like, we're talking about, you're talking about, like, picking a side Obviously, we're not on the side of uh, racism. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is a clear, easy decision. Absolutely. But I think what's happened is, like, especially in 2020, we're seeing it now more than ever. And I think it's been happening, like, the last four years, uh, is we're oversimplifying human beings, right? We're, we're making it that there are two choices. You're a Democrat or you're a Republican. Yeah. You're right or you're left. Um, and we're more complex than that. Like, yeah. we just we just are. And so when we oversimplify it and we give it two options of ways to think and like more than just ways to think of identities of who are you, you know, who are you is tied to who you're voting for, who are you is tied to who you support politically. Uh, go back to the example of Jesus. He he constantly just when people would try to corner him yeah. into those like political debates and arguments, he'd constantly just put it back to the individual of like, I'm here to change people's lives. I'm here to love mm -hmm. people. Uh, you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Yeah. I, I'm not here to talk about that. Like, you know, and I think, and it's funny you say that because I think people are co-opting Jesus and they're being like, Jesus was a socialist. Jesus was a Democrat. <laughs> and then they're like, no, Jesus was a Republican. You know, it's like. I like the the accent. The you voice on the, there. Jesus is a Republican. That, Sweet that was, baby Jesus. That's, but, uh, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Like, I'm saying it's it's ridiculous to simplify people and i think that's where we need to get back to is like the individualism of people and like the the crazy thing is though i think people are simple in the fact that like the simple gospel that the yeah. answer we're looking for is found in jesus you know mm -hmm. like we constantly go back to that if you want to talk about how simple we are that's how we're simple yeah but the ways that we're all different and unique and and the ways we think that the world could be better and the policies that we could put in place for that that's where we can disagree and that's where we can have debates and, but still love each other and still be civil and that's where i i would agree um in this whole talk of just influence and being you know that's what i'm saying like i can be against racial injustice and what's going on without having to bow to the will of 
saying a certain phrase or posting a certain post or having a certain hat. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to look exactly the way someone's telling me I have to look in order to be about things that I'm about and against things that I'm against. And ultimately, yes, pastors, our job is to love people. Um, And what's really a trip, though, is like when you think about who Jesus died for, when it says he died for everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, that means... It's not just like the good people. Yeah. Like yeah. Jesus died for the racists. Yeah. Jesus died for like we talk about, you know, there's there's good police officers, right? One of my best friends is a police officer. And so it's it's weird when when I see some of this stuff going on. Uh, but there are bad police officers and Jesus died for those guys, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what's what's really a trip. And it isn't to, you know, uh take away from the things that are going on, the things that need to change. But when you get down to it, like I believe that relationship with Jesus can change everything and Mm -hmm. everyone. Yeah. And especially those people who are like deep in that sin of like racism, especially thinking that they're better than somebody. The answer for them is found in connection to Jesus and realizing that we're all created in his image. You know, one of the things we talk about a lot in youth ministry is helping students to make choices about the people that they surround themselves with, right? Like it's this recurring theme that, and it's true, you you kind of become who you hang around with, you become the people you spend time with. So the important issue here is then we need to spend time with Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like Jesus spends his entire life on earth crossing boundaries, and, and doing things that no one expected to be done. You know, he sits with a, with a Samaritan woman at a well. The, the, he's crossing a racial divide. He's crossing the gender divide in an age when that was not done. And he sits there with her and brings redemption and love and grace to a woman who needs it. She's even outcast in her own village, and Jesus brings her up, he elevates her. So we, we need to we need to just recognize, like like the guys are saying, we, we just have to recognize that we are on the side of people. Mm-hmm. All of them. We're on the side of people. Yeah. And and here's here's the biggest challenge. In an age that is fighting really hard to make everything into a binary issue, right? You're this or you're that. Yeah. Trying to make everything a binary issue. We have to recognize that the second we make things into binary issues, we've created thems, yeah. right? Anytime you make a them, you have instantly crossed a line in your life that makes it harder to love that person. As soon as someone becomes the other, you can't love that person. As soon as they become a them, you can't love that person. And you can only win your friends to Jesus. You can only win people that you love to Jesus. It's just not going to work if you don't have that going for you in your life. So whether the them is 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 a Democrat or the them is a Republican, whether the them is black, whether the them is yeah. white, whatever it is, as soon as you have made that line, you have stepped away from the simple gospel. Yeah, well, and it's true, like, it goes back to to uh what paul talks about like we don't battle against flesh and blood we're fighting against principalities we're yeah fighting against spiritual forces of darkness and like not to go all you know super ag and like it there's <laughs> demons out there whatever Speaking tongues on but the I'm podcast talking, come on <laughs> like we need to get back to this understanding I, I talked about it at summer camp but like it's true like the enemy is is real yeah, yeah. and he's wreaking havoc on the world right now because we're wasting our time fighting these stupid fights against mm-hmm. each other yeah. and 
when we should be literally doing some spiritual warfare as pastors yeah. that's the best thing we could do you want to combat racism go to the pit of hell where it started from right and pray against these spiritual forces of evil that create this thinking that yeah. you're better than somebody is rooted in selfishness and pride and all of these things that are sin right things that aren't of god and start let's do battle against it let's yeah. speak against it let's 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 introduce young people let's let's create environments where, where jesus can can come into the brokenness that these young people are, are dealing with and change their life like it's jesus never canceled anybody you right. know what i'm saying like and i think social media has a lot to do with what's going on mm -hmm. right now it's it's so easy to just say something with no you know thought of what's going to come after it you just yeah. put something out there you just comment something you just you know you just post it and you don't have to deal with the repercussions of it later and i think we need to really set the example of being smart first of all too about what we're intaking on social media yeah. this yeah. is like a, a whole nother topic we could go into later but be smart about that because that does one of the best things that i've started to do is just not be on social media as much because what it helps is I don't have to see the stupid stories people are posting republican and democrat right on both sides of the equation i see something i'm like oh my goodness what is this and i don't and, and it affects the way i see them later yeah. i see them later in person yep. and i'm like i saw what you said and i feel like i i take offense to that whatever but when i don't have to see it i'm able to see them and love them and want to be around them genuinely you know yeah. it's not a facade and so uh just be smart about that because what you're intaking it it does affect you you know like you you my dad always says you squeeze you squeeze the grape and the real juice comes out and so mm -hmm. 2020 is a year where the pressure has been on yeah my dad's from indiana right? like, he <laughs> says stuff like that like, you're like a raccoon in a in a trash can right now whatever like what you squeeze the grape and the juice comes out and that's the truth like the 2020 is a year where the pressure's been on us more than ever and i yeah. think a lot of us are seeing what was in us, you yeah. know? And uh, I think for a lot of us too, it's been a evaluation of like, I need to get some things in order. I need to start intaking better things. I need to start spending time with Jesus because yeah. when the pressure's on me, I'm not looking like him, you know? Yeah. So we just need to squeeze some more grapes is really at the squeeze end of all some of more grapes and the juice comes out. <laughs> I've never heard of that in my life. Um, and the one thing that I've, I've leaned towards, and I think in this whole entire time, this whole season of 2020, is um and it's so cliche but i grew i didn't grow up in church so this is fine i can say this but it goes back to what would jesus do mm -hmm. when it comes to picking sides i'm like what would jesus do and and for me personally i'm like i don't think jesus would be on a side even though most republicans would uh disagree with that i don't think he would be on a side he would go and eat with the democrat he'd go and eat with a republican he would go and eat with someone that's black he would go and eat with someone that's white and I think a lot of times we forget that because we tend to put Jesus in our own bubble and we make Jesus like what we like. Mm -hmm. And it and it's the it needs to be the exact opposite. We need to be in Jesus's bubble liking what Jesus likes. And it at the end of the day, I think and it kind of goes back to what you said, Elliot. It's like we need to go back. This is a spiritual battle. So let's be in the spiritual realm where we need to be in these moments. Yeah. And the same thing comes to like when it comes to being a youth pastor saying, how should we talk about these? How should we talk about these topics? What do we how do we talk about cancel culture? How do we talk about the the election and it goes back to being on the spiritual side of all of this and the the one thing and we put this in the show notes 
and Elliot talked about this already, is Jesus wouldn't cancel anybody. Yeah. And I think one huge topic of, and again, goes back to what we're consuming, is everyone's trying to cancel everybody. You can't say anything without being on the verge of being canceled. I mean, heck, everyone's trying to cancel the church because we were having church in the middle of COVID. And it, it's just, it's honestly just ridiculous, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, how do we navigate that? Because again, I think this next generation has been fed a lot of these things of you can cancel pretty much anything you don't like. How do you navigate that in, in this year of 2020? So again, I, I think the, the thing that's interesting is as we've been having this discussion, we keep seeing like we're, we're talking about the, the, the tension of racism that's mm-hmm. existed uh, and, and at least the, the discussion around it. Um, but as we have that conversation, you notice how we easily slipped into also talking about the divisiveness of our politics yeah. and everything yeah. right now. The, the, the challenge is this. America is moving into a post-Christian age. Mm. And uh, Europe did it decades ago. Australia did it decades ago. And in Europe and Australia, it has been incredibly secular, right? A, a post-Christian Europe, a post-Christian Australia, it's really secular. They, they just completely downplay the, 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 the voice of anything religious or faith-based at all. You know, everything is science. America is different. Our post-Christianity looks different as we move further and further into a post-Christian age, which, by the way, I don't think is an entirely bad thing. People hear that phrase and they get scared about it um, because a post-Christian age is moving away from a post-Christendom, which is not necessarily good. This idea that we're going to legislate the righteousness of God on people is is not a healthy one. People have to choose Jesus. They have Mm. to choose to follow him. So that's another day and another discussion. But post-Christianity in America is different because America's roots are in religious fervor. The, 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 The founders of the country were children of the Great Awakening. Their parents were the ones that were sitting in Jonathan Edwards' church services, clutching the wooden pews so tightly that their fingers were digging claw marks into the pews because they were so ready to repent. That's who founded the country. There's religious fervor in it. And they did it, but they also brought their own humanity into it. America is deeply religious, even though it wants to deny that it is, we've just exchanged the religion of yesterday for a new religion. And the new religion is, is our political choice. Hmm. And so that's why we see such a divisiveness in our country. It's religious fervor. It's, it's, it's radical extremism. And unfortunately, we feel like it's an okay thing because it's not religious extremism. It's political extremism. But I'm sorry, all our politics are really about is how we want to organize the government. That's really all it comes down to. Like, you really boil it down. Politics is about how you want to or- organize the country, how you want to organize the government. Okay, set that aside. Why on earth are we at each other's throats? It's mm-hmm. because of this, this age of divisiveness. So as we deal with youth ministries and dealing with, like, hey, we're in a contentious election season. Uh, we're, we're going through 2020, which is the, the, the peak of cancel culture. Let's, let's, again, choose the third way. Jesus always gives us the third way. Yeah. He's the God of the third option. So, so let's always go to him. And instead of getting caught up in it, let's, let's remember that we're called to be a people of grace. Let's remember that we're called to be a people of, of love and forgiveness. We're, we're those people. So Matt is, what he's trying to say is to choose the third way. So 
Matt's voting for Kanye West, I think, is what he uh, <laughs> has just revealed to I, us right I, now. I, I just wrote in Jesus. Like, oh, no. wow. <laughs> <laughs> the third way. No, but that, I think that's that's perfect. Um, and Elliot brought it up right now. Um, and Who it, is Matt voting for? Is that our <laughs> yeah, so Matt, you're the special guest. You have to tell us who you're voting for. Um, I'm Canadian. You know no. what? You know what? This is, like, we could talk about what we want, but, like, anytime someone posts, like, an I voted sticker on their instagram i feel like everyone else should have the right to say for who you know what i'm saying <laughs> if you're like everyone I, that's what i want to do every single time i see it on someone's story they're like i voted i always want to be like who'd you vote for you know but and I, it, I don't it, do that it's funny because i just remember when i was having this conversation with my senior pastor i remember when i was a kid growing up in the 90s um when my 90s. parents <laughs> when my parents voted yeah you don't talk about no, who you my, vote for. Th- my parents wouldn't tell me. Yeah, it was you didn't tell people how much money you made, and mm-hmm. you didn't tell people who you voted for. That yeah. was it was a private. You kept it close to your chest, like no. that was just the norm. I it, remember when I was a kid in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. I had, I had to throw it voting in, there. in the nineties. <laughs> Dude, I, I I remember every president since Reagan. So, yeah, I remember yeah. realizing that. Bush wasn't the only president that we've ever had because <laughs> he was like the president I remember growing up with. Same. And I was like, oh, he's just not the guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Wow. Um, but with that idea of of the election coming up as youth pastors, because, again, this is a, a time where everyone wants to know who you're voting for. And it to me, just at being, I guess, more old school, even though I'm 26, like I can't stand when I see stuff like that. Like you, when someone posts their political views, I'm just like, why? And, and it, again, it just, it's me. So I can be completely wrong on that spectrum, but we see it more so within our students. And yeah. especially again, I'm going to go to the context of where I'm at. I am in a city where everyone I believe is probably a Republican, but we have five different schools in the city that we live in are five different schools in our surrounding area that come from completely different backgrounds. And they all gather on a Wednesday night with completely different views that they've talked to their parents about and they've talked to their friends about. So as again, going back to the idea of youth pastors, how do you navigate that? How do you go about those conversations? Because it's stuff they talk about already. Yeah. I think I think the series that you do during this season. So by the time this airs, the the election will have happened already. At least you know it's probably not over yet. But yeah, we yeah. I don't know if we'll know the results. Yeah, but um, not for a while. But I, I think it's important what series you're going into, what series you're doing, and you. I don't know. I mean, I mean, this is me personally. I lean to not getting caught up in all of this. It's already all over the place. They're mm-hmm. already dealing with all of it. But how am I going to bring them back to Jesus in that moment? And so, you know, making sure that the series you're doing on your youth night when it comes to November, it, I think it's really important. I think it's really important that um, they're hearing enough. We need to just remind them who they are and who they represent. And yeah. they don't represent Trump. They don't represent Biden. Um, they represent Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we need to, they're already indoctrinated in, in school with all this other stuff you know, we need to bring them back to who they are yeah. and who they serve. And, um, you know, so I, I think as youth pastors, I would encourage you to, to make sure that's the, the case. It, it, it's easy to, to get caught up in all this and just go with the trends and, oh, it's election, so we'll do an election thing. Or <laughs> I, 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 I think Don't there's do that. danger in some of those things. No. I, I, I keep going back to Jesus. It's really simple. Mm-hmm. The, the answer is simple. And, 
you know, these students need to, um, in the craziness of everything, can we keep bringing them back to the peace of Jesus? Yes. Yeah. And yeah I, one thing that, like I, I said in the beginning of all this, I feel like my theology has been like shaped in this time, right? On some of these issues. Or my thinking? Maybe I'm using the word wrong. No, you, you got it right, bro. You're okay. doing good. You're I'm doing really good. But anyways, I'll, I'll call you out as soon as you use one wrong. Don't please worry. Please don't. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> like, I, I really framed the way I think about all this stuff. And I've, like, look, I've gone back to Jesus. And when it comes to, like, just this idea, like, especially with this next generation of wanting to be a part of changing the world, I think getting them back to the idea of, like, the best way you can change the world is by loving your parents, is by, you know— loving that person at school that everybody ignores like Mm. i'm not against like being a part of of making a change but what what are you using to do it and is it the most effective way of going about it right like if you go back even just with jesus there were so many things politically going on that Mm -hmm. were corrupt there were the zealots right Mm -hmm. who one of them was a disciple but there's a whole sect of like jewish people who were they were like radical extremist revolutionaries when they thought that the messiah was going to come back and dethrone rome and set up a, f- a lot of jewish people thought that it yeah. was going to be a real kingdom but they were like it's going to be bloodshed they were ready to fight and jesus did none of that right like uh jesus showed that what he was doing was going after individual people and changing their lives and, and even when jesus rose again and the early church is being set up and the church is being persecuted Right. Like think about the Colosseum, one of the most like corrupt things that was ever going on where they were throwing prisoners and Christians and human beings into these pits to fight and kill each other, to be eaten by lions. Paul and the apostles in the early church didn't organize these protests of the Colosseums. Right. They went about just preaching the gospel Mm -hmm. and i think like and again i'm not trying to say don't protest don't hear what i'm not saying you understand what i'm saying it's just shaped my view of all of this stuff of what if we're trying to live the way jesus lives what does that look like right and so getting students to understand like it's not as glamorous it's not as like it's not going to put you in a place where you're promoted so much and people are like oh you're so great you have so many followers you're not going to have a lot of virtue signaling happening there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but you can change the world. You yeah. can change your your family. You can change your city. You can change your community by loving people the way Jesus loved them and allowing Jesus to do what only Jesus could do in their life, allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and do what only he could do in their life. And I think like like Gary's saying, that's not as glamorous as, yeah. you know, being like, let's talk. Let's have a debate like and and stop like like Matt said, co-opting Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh we're a part of this we're americans and so we get to participate in this system and i think you should participate we got to have respect for each other to say that a christian could could read the through the story of jesus through the gospel through the bible and be like i think that biden represents what i stand for the most and i want to vote for him and someone else could read through and be like i feel like trump represents what i stand what you know what i'm about and what jesus is about but this idea of being like, this is the Christian, yeah. this is the Christian vote. This is the yeah. anti, it's so like ridiculous because we are more complex than that. And, and we are imperfect people and especially politicians, they are imperfect people Absolutely. and holding them to these standards of saviors and, 
Uh, and that's why I'm saying my faith in the world being changed is not through politics. Yes. I don't have faith in these people who are running our government. I don't, I just don't <laughs> like, I think that Jesus is the answer. And that's why I'm a participate in the system. Cause I'm a part of it. Right. But my faith and my hope is in Jesus alone. And that's what I'm going to talk to my students about. And that's what we need to be able to constantly come back to is like, we can disagree on all this stuff and still love each other. Look at the disciples. There was tax collectors, there was fishermen, there was zealots, there was, you know, all these different ways of thinking yeah. and, and backgrounds and, you know, all of this stuff. And they all came together under Jesus. And that's what we should be about. By the time this, uh, this airs, the election will have taken place. But you know uh, where we're at right now. Tuesday night is when we do our youth, so Tuesday night is is the election day. And so I think we'll this be... is coming out the day before the election. Okay. Well, either way, for the the election night when this comes uh, out, Tuesday night, I've already got the message prepared, and we're gonna be talking about Daniel in the lion's den, and and you know how even in the craziest circumstances, when uh, when the the, t- the roof's pulled back and, and the den of the roof's pulled back. It, God's still there. God's still sovereign. God's still in control. Mm-hmm, yeah. God still has everything. And I'm going to be reminding our students that no matter what happens, even if tomorrow is chaos and it's crazy yeah. and all these things are happening, in the end, when I wake up on, on Wednesday morning, God is still God. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I'm still saved. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't matter who the president is. Jesus is still Jesus. The church is still the church. Yeah. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. none of that changes. And no. They just need yeah. that, that peaceful reminder of, guys, this is the truth. Yeah. Yes. The truth is that when, when so, whoever is elected, all is not going to be perfect. I really do believe that we're going to see a time in November and December of people coming back to Christ like we haven't seen before for yeah. this very reason. Because they're pinning all their hopes in Trump and all their hopes in Biden that if my guy gets elected, everything's going to change mm. but come on let's look at history things don't change just because someone gets elected yeah, yeah. the the emptiness the the fear uh, the doubt the anxiety everything that you feel right now pre-election you are going to feel after election Absolutely. no matter who wins it's jesus yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think that's the thing too that i've figured out in this time is like we talk about cornerstone right it's the name of your church it's like the foundation jesus is the the you know the building block of our lives but I don't know if he he has been for a lot of us. Right. Mm. And this is really tested it. You read about, you know, the the wise man who built his house on the rock and the foolish man who built his house on the sand. This is that like it's not just a season of a storm. It's a year long torrential downpour. Yeah. Right. And you're figuring out these, you know, my job was my foundation. I don't have that anymore. My relationship was my foundation. That person broke up with me. I, you know, like even like what I th- what I'm figuring out, even as an American, like just the the normal day to day things that I love, like that was a foundation for me. And as it stripped away, especially dealing with like some bits of anxiety and stuff, I was shaken up, man. In you know, March, April, May, like I didn't, and, and getting ready to have a son, you know, now I, I have Sawyer and me and Tanner, are, you know, raising him. And I'm just like, what type of world am I bringing a kid into what I've been able to come back to and have peace about all this is knowing that like. Jesus is constant in all the inconsistencies of our lives. Jesus is constant. You look through history. Nothing has taken the gospel out, right? Like, like empires have risen and fallen. Uh, Revolutions have come and gone. New political systems have, have, have been risen up and have not happened. Wars all, nothing has stopped the gospel of Jesus. And this won't like, like I am just personally, I'm prepared 
for the political system to not exist the way that I've known it my whole life. And I'm going to be okay. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, (laughs) I'm just, I'm telling you what me as a person who has struggled with anxiety and all this stuff where I'm at with all this is I know that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Regardless of who the president is, or if it even looks the way that I've known it to look my whole life, I'm going to be okay because Jesus is still good. He's still on the throne and he's still the answer that people are looking for. And that's ultimately what my life is about. It's not about I'm a Republican. I'm a Democrat. Like that's not, that has nothing to do with my identity. My identity is found as a follower of Jesus. And so the beauty of that is when all that other stuff is stripped away, I'm still standing and I'm still, I still have a purpose and I still have things to do. Um, And yeah, I think that that's something that has been a beautiful thing that's come from 2020. It's shown me where my foundation was and helped me to put my foundation in a place that it needs to be now. So two quick thoughts uh, off of all of that. One, theologically, to use Eliot's word, um, <laughs> if, we're, if we're considering what the Bible teaches, no matter who wins the election, they're placed there by God. Wow. Like, mm. just, just let that settle in for a second. No matter who gets elected, they're placed there by God. Yeah. And that doesn't mean, like, President Obama, God put him there. President Trump, God put him there. Bill Clinton, God put him in office. Mm, God, <laughs> God, God, God rules over all the nations. We over just lost all. all of Norco. I know, right? <laughs> he said Bill Clinton. <laughs> yeah, he, he also he also put Reagan and the other two Bushes in there too. So you know, like, yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, yeah. There you go. See, so no, he. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you put him back there. Yeah. So so here's the thing. God God is the ruler over all the universe. Jesus yeah. is creator, alpha, omega, master, commander of all things. That's good. And so whoever's in office ultimately doesn't matter because our citizenship mm. as Americans is only secondary yeah. to our citizenship as followers of Jesus. Like, in fact, to call it secondary gives it too much weight. It, it's, it's only a part of who you are. Your identity is from Christ. Mm -hmm. And that brings me to the second thing that I want to say. It's this. Adolescence, you know, coming back to to youth ministry for a second. Adolescence, the teenagers in your group, adolescence, psychologists all agree, is a time when students are trying on identities like they're trying on hats. Mm -hmm. They're, 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 They're trying to figure out who they are as they enter into adulthood. And that's not going to solidify until they get into their early 20s. And even then, that's going to continue to evolve. But they're making decisions today about who they're going to be as adults. So if that's the case, the most important identity you can give a student is not right or left. It's not their race. It's not their home. It's not their their story of origin. Their most important and sacred identity is Christ, period. It all comes back to that. And if we can teach a generation to anchor their lives to Jesus as opposed to what's going on in the world, it does not matter. Everything else falls away. It's just it, 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 going back to you said it coming back to youth ministry. This is a youth ministry podcast. We want to encourage youth pastors and, and give them things that are going to work for them right now. And I, I would even say, you know, do after this is all done and, and, you know, maybe the second, third, fourth week of November, do a night on, on you know, what we believe. Yeah. And, yeah. and have an understanding of that, because I think, you know, we, we just need to give these kids some foundation. If we all think it's going to go like we think it's going to go, there could be craziness for an entire month or two. And, yeah. and they're going to need a foundation more than any other. So give mm-hmm. them an understanding of why they believe what they believe and, yeah. and go there. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the that's the thing too. Like we've been coming back to this generation, a lot of studies are showing is the most like biblical illiterate generation. Yeah. Like yeah. they can quote worship songs, right? But they can't quote scripture. And mm-hmm. so I think we gotta go back to like they need depth, you know? Yeah. And and that that's that's what I think I've really come back to too. It, it, I think we're all kind of in this zone of like don't get distracted. I'm sort of in this like keep it simple like yeah. We don't have to like reinvent the wheel. Like what has worked is going to continue to work, and it's Jesus. And yeah. so, preach the truth, stand on the word of God, be relational with these students, and we'll see their lives change. Like yeah, we 2020 yes has been a crazy year, but in a lot of ways. It's business as usual. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we might have to get creative in how we do what we do. I think it's made us appreciate things that we weren't really appreciating before. But ultimately, as we the dust is beginning to settle, we go back to, to business as usual. Loving students in their brokenness. Making a place where anyone and everyone can come in and feel accepted, right? A Republican, a Democrat, a student who identifies as LGBTQ, a student, you know, a student who's grown up in church their whole life, they could all come in, feel like they belong and have a moment where Jesus meets them where they're at and changes their whole life. That yeah. is what this is all about. That's what we do as youth pastors. And we can continue to do that no matter what, no matter who's in office, no matter the turmoil going on in the world. And the beauty of it is youth pastors listening to this, we're not alone in it. It's what mm-hmm. we all share in common and in a world that wants to constantly point to what we have dividing us what is different about us and that's what they want us to focus on let's focus on this the thing that unites us that we love students and that we want to see their lives change and we believe that jesus is the answer that they're looking for because i believe i believe it too i think that there's a revival coming i think that like especially with this generation they want to change the world and they're hungry for it and they will i just think they've been going about it the wrong way yeah and so imagine imagine if the fire that these kids have to you know be social justice warriors or cancel people is put in to loving their community their school their families in a passionate way that jesus i'm telling this is like on biblical proportions we could see the world change you know and i think that's what's going to happen yeah, you know, I've been I've been telling the the leaders in our church that I really believe that just for our church and really I believe globally for like the church of Jesus, this year is a year of pruning, yeah. which means things are being cut away and cutting away is painful, right? Like God is trimming away the dead branches so that new life can come. And so that doesn't necessarily look like something that will happen overnight sometimes, right? Sometimes it takes a while for fruit to develop, but the strongest, healthiest fruit comes after a time of pruning, mm-hmm. after the, the dead weight has, has gone. And so, you know, to be a little, you know, overly spiritual and metaphorical for a moment, I really believe that's what God is up to. And, and I believe that we are on the cusp of a great renewal. And I think it's going to look different than it's looked in times past. Yeah. You know, it may not look like, like uh, uh, Gary will likely remember these days because I think we were the only ones that were adults when it was happening. But like uh, back in the late 90s, it was like all about the Brownsville revival. Sure, it, I remember. It, okay. All right. All right. I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. I, yeah. Was, I remember being yeah. pushed in a stroller there. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it was like this big deal is this thing that was happening. But. I don't think it's going to look like that. Yeah. I think it's going to look more decentralized. I think it's going to look more like 
the people of Jesus start looking like Jesus wherever they are. I think it's going to look a lot like the early church. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like that in uh, like the early church faced real persecution and who knows what's what's in store for us. But I'm saying like regardless of whether it's persecution or just passion, I agree with you that it's going to be more decentralized and not come meet under our big tent. It's going to be I'm it's going to be you know, neighbors meeting with neighbors and people meeting in backyard. It's going to be like, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah. I actually have mixed feelings about persecution because there's a part of me. It's like, it's I, me I, loves it. I don't, I'm, I'm well, all for it. no, like honestly, there's a part of me. It's like, gosh, I don't want to experience real persecution because American Christians have not experienced real persecution. Uh, masks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, I'll, I'll take you to Turkey and introduce you to a pastor who's had his life threatened regularly. And the government, the Turkish government assigned him a, 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 a bodyguard because his life is so wow. constantly under threat. I'll take you to West Africa and introduce you to a missionary who was shot and left for dead by Al Qaeda out in the middle of nowhere. Like, come on, we have not been but persecuted. They, but did they have to wear masks? Though? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I, I don't think they did at the time. Okay. Uh, so, but, but I, while I'm not like thrilled of like, yay, let's suffer, you know, um, persecution is the best thing for the church yeah. because it reminds us of where our citizenship lies. Mm-hmm. It reminds us that that we're not a kingdom of this world. We're a kingdom of Jesus. We're a kingdom of God. And as such, there's nothing that can be done to us that can capture our souls, right? Like, like it's the, it's the great scene at the end of, of Braveheart, you know, they're ripping the entrails out of William Wallace and they can't steal his freedom. They can steal his life. They can't steal his freedom. Well, on a much more real level, on a much more real level, the world can only take your soul if you hand it over. Mm. And so if we remember that we belong to Christ and, and, and Jesus is the, the, the center point of our lives, he's the one that we're building our lives around, then I don't really like bring it on because yeah. Jesus is the king. Uh, no one else. It's good. That was yeah. William Wallace. This. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> no, that was, that, was, that was spot on right there. And I think that's a, a perfect time to, to wrap this up and just as that healthy reminder, it's just like we need to keep Jesus at the center. Um, anything else you guys want to add on? Just encourage youth pastors to, to, you know, we're going to get through this. We're going to, it's a season, it's a time, it's a time of growth, um, in a lot of ways and would encourage you if you're struggling, if you're hurting, if you're confused, if you're just, um, worn out during the season, make sure you're connecting with some other youth pastors that can pour into you, love you. Um, we there's a lot of other men and women that are going through the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Of course, of course. Elliot, thanks for being here. You're welcome. (laughs) Gary, thank you. Yeah, who'd you vote for, Charlie? Uh, Yeah, we will talk about that off camera. No, I'm playing. (laughs) (laughs) There's a camera? Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to In the Trenches podcast by SoCal Student Ministries, and we will see you or listen to you or talk to you next time. See (laughs) you.